What up, Rinku Army, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode, we are going to go over some New Japan Pro Wrestling, my thoughts on the new title belt, and the Sakura Genesis 2021 card that's going to be happening on April 4th, 2021. Let's just jump right into all the news, and then later I'll give you updates on websites, social media, where you can find me, all that good stuff you guys love hearing about. So the last time New Japan Pro Wrestling had a show, it was on March 21st. That was a Sunday. And then they come right back right after my birthday on March 29th with their Road to Sakura Genesis shows. So March 29th and March 30th were the last two until now we're taking another little mini break until April 4th. And also this podcast had a mini break as well. It was very well relaxing to not talk about wrestling, but it was killing me at the same time because I was wrestling deprived and I couldn't talk to all my fans who listen to the Square Circle podcast. If you guys have been following me ever since day one or just tuned in now, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to me while I talk about professional wrestling, the super passion that I have for it and giving you guys the breakdown on matches and news and stuff like that. So on March 29th, New Japan Pro Wrestling comes back with the Road to Sakura Genesis. This is held in Tokyo in the Kurokin Hall. And that match card was really good. It started with the Young Lions, Gabriel Kidd, Yuya, and Suji, along with Master Wado, taking on Bushi, Shingo, Sonata, and Naito. And this was a really good opening match. The Young Lions, Gabriel Kidd, Yuya, and Suji are all doing excellent on these Road 2 shows. And I really highly appreciate all of their skills and all of their work ethic that they put in. You can definitely see the frustration in each of them. They're all very different. They all want something more. I really think that they should have a lot more wins under their belt you know, slowly climbing up the ladder to get wins, to get noticed by the veterans of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Suji is still going at the Naito. I really hope that Suji can just turn heel and attack Naito and be serious about wanting to fight one of his mentors. Because obviously Naito didn't really see Suji as competition. So the moment that Suji can do a heel tactic Naito would definitely be interested. During the backstage comments from March 30th, Naito has said that Suji is on his radar and that Suji finally got his attention. But I do not think that we're going to get a Suji versus Naito just yet. Yuya has some balls to slap Naito in the chest when Naito wanted Yuya to pick up his arm in victory after the match, but Yuya wasn't just having it. For some reason, they all like picking on Yuya, especially Jay White. Jay White loves having Yuya as his model. Eventually, it's going to be Yuya versus the whole entire New Japan Pro Wrestling roster. Just because this kid has some fire and some heart and he's like, stop treating me like shit. Gabriel Kidd is just another impressive wrestler and he's getting better every day, even if he thinks that he's not at the level that he should be at. Everything takes time, but he's getting there and he definitely wants a match with Shingo and that would be a very great match to see. 
Gabriel Kidd is one of those rising stars that has it. And he definitely needs to believe in himself more when it comes to his promos. He's definitely playing the very good baby face that he can play. I want to see this guy play a heel, though. That's what I want to see. So for that opening match, our March 29th, Sonata picked up the victory over Yuya. Then the second match, we had Taguchi, Tiger Mask, and Sho taking on Doki, Yoshinobu, and El Desperado. And this had show show a lot more aggressiveness towards El Desperado. And it was one of those hushes across the crowd where it was like, whoa, where is this aggressiveness coming from, from show? And show has been a very good wrestler and a very good team player throughout all the road to shows on the tours. And now that his tag team partner, Yo, has come back from injury, Sho decided to step up his aggressiveness and his game to say that he fought and he fights for Yo. And he's happy that Yo obviously came back from injury and he's well. And then both of them are going to be tag teaming so that way they can take on El Desperado and Yoshinobu. For the IWGP Super Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, which will be at April 4th in Rigoku. So for the March 29th second match for the Rosu Genesis, El Desperado got the victory over Tiger Mask. Then we come to the third match, which is Chaos versus Bullet Club. The Chaos members are Yoshihashi, Ishii, Goto, Yano, and Okada taking on Evil, Kenta, Balakfale, Yujiro, and Taiji. This match, whenever you get Chaos versus Bullet Club, it is probably going to be the most entertaining match that you have seen. And you still enjoy the theatrics and everything that happens. I do remember I popped for the lights going out and Yano being scared. And apparently Yano is now scared of darkness. So if they ever do another Yano versus Chase Owens, all Chase has to do is just have Dick Togo turn off the lights and Chase wins the match. And then he gets to have a victory over Yano. That can happen too. The coolest thing that happens in this storyline of Bullet Club versus Chaos is that Kenta has taken the bow staff that Yoshihashi carries to the ring with him. Now, I always knew that Kenta was talented. Kenta is one of the best in the business, but his promos are just so entertaining. I don't have a word for it, but every time I watch his backstage comments... Sooner or later, I'm just going to learn Japanese. The way that him and Taiji speak Japanese, eventually, I'm just probably going to learn it and pick it up by ear because I'm like, these guys are really good teachers without like really teaching somebody. And the way that they talk and present their stories, I don't know. It just feels like I'm learning. Anyway, Kenta is making a story of saving Bochan which is the bow staff that Yoshihashi has and it's going to be his forever. And he's acting like Bochan is his girlfriend. It's the weirdest story that's ever going to be happening. It's similar to when Tama decided to take the iron fingers from Tachi 
and have a whole storyline with it, make the Iron Fingers talk. And that's what Kenta is doing with the bow staff, making the bow staff talk and always saying that Yoshihashi is ugly and this and that. And then people on Twitter are up in arms of, you can't call Yoshihashi ugly. And it's like, have you seen him? Like, have you really seen him? And also, I got hit with the line of, we don't tolerate Yoshihashi slander. It's not slander if I have to say that Yoshihashi has still not got back Bochan from Kenta. Kenta took Bochan and Yoshihashi did nothing about it. And I really doubt that Yoshihashi will be able to guide Okada to a championship title win. Yoshihashi is good in the ring, but Yoshihashi has been keeping himself in a box that he has not elevated himself in what feels like years. Like he's still staying in that box and hasn't done a thing about it and hasn't really truly elevated himself. Yoshihashi definitely has some championship gold along with Goto and Ishii as all three of them make up the never open weight six-man tag team champions. But what has he really done to solidify himself as a guide to maybe help Okada win the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title as someone suggested? Like, I get it. You're a fan of Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi can definitely put on a good match. He is a company guy. But do you see him as the face of the company, being the number one asset of New Japan Pro Wrestling? He can't even get Bochan back from Kenta. Think about that. He can't get his beloved Bo staff back from Kenta. How the hell is he going to guide Okada, one of the best in this business, in this sport, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, How is he going to guide the Rainmaker to eventually conquer whoever's champion at the time and have him get the title on Okada's shoulder? Shouldn't you as the fan be rooting for Yoshihashi to get the belt himself rather than try to guide Okada? Like, seriously, fans on Twitter, man, fans on Twitter. So for that third match between Chaos versus Bullet Club, Taiji managed to pick up the victory over Goto. Now we come to the fourth match. And this has Kojima, Tenzin, and Tanahashi taking on Jado, Gato, and Jay White. Anything that involves Jay White is going to be a fun, entertaining match to watch. So for the past couple of weeks, what feels like weeks... Jay White has been trying to have a match with Tanahashi for the Never Openweight Championship title. Jay White realized that if he had gone after Ibushi and if he had won the championship off of Ibushi, he would have split the belts back. But that's going back rather than moving forward for the future. Jay White wants to insert himself into another debate, being the only man on the New Japan roster to be a 
quadruple crown champion. That means that he has already won the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title. He already won the IWGP Intercontinental Championship title. And he has definitely won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship title. The only championship he did not win yet is that never open weight championship title, which Tanahashi has. And Tanahashi has only had one defense with that belt. And according to Tanahashi's backstage comments, he feels that the match should be meaningful and that it shouldn't just be given away. So Jay White is making it his mission to try to have Tanahashi put that belt on the line during one of Jay's backstage comments. He basically mentioned that Tana should just listen to his pride and do it. Because obviously Tana has always been a fighting champion throughout his whole entire career. Jay White just wants a match and Jay White just wants some gold around his waist. Tanahashi has refused Jay White. So in this fourth match, Jay White gets the victory over Kojima because he made Kojima tap out. So he created the KTL, the Kojima tap out. It's a play on the TTO, the Tanahashi tap out, because they have fought each other in 2019, January, where Jay White tapped out Tanahashi. Thus, why we have the TTO. And if you guys want to go over to his pro wrestling tea store, you could go buy that shirt to support that. And then I'm just going to combine March 30th as well with this match. March 30th, it was the same thing except that instead of Kojima, it was Hanma and Jay White did the same thing. Jay White made Hanma tap out. So it became the Hanma tap out, the HTO. The only difference between the March 29th and the March 30th match is that Jay White amped up the violence, so to speak. On March 29th, Tanahashi was on the outside as Jay White Gato and Jado celebrated in the ring, but Tanahashi walked away from his two teammates and walked to the back pretty fast. Didn't want to give any type of recognition or any type of ammunition for Jay White to use, even though Jay White does Jay White things. And then come March 30th, the next night when they had almost the same match, except that Hama was subbed in for Kojima. Hama was laying on the mat and JY was telling Tanahashi, I challenge you. What do you say? Yes or no. And Tanahashi got up on the apron. And he said no. He screamed no at Jay White. And Jay White had the candlestick in his hand and he just whacked Hanma with it and immediately got out of the ring and told Tanahashi, this is your fault. And Tanahashi was like, how is it my fault? And it's very simple. If Tanahashi would have said yes, JY would not have hit Hanma because Tanahashi told him no. He did that as an incentive to try to have Tanahashi's pride in protecting his fans, in protecting his friends, so that way Jay White can get what he wants. But it's still a no from Tanahashi. Tanahashi does not want to put the belt up against Jay White. And even in Jay White's backstage comments, 
he needs to figure out a way to get Tanahashi to agree to this match because obviously his friends getting hurt around him is not doing anything at all. So obviously for the March 29th and the March 30th matches on the road to Sakura Genesis, Jay White wins both of those matches. On the March 29th card, we have the main event, which was Hama, Nagata, and Ibushi taking on Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay. The dynamic and storytelling between Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi feels real. Will Ospreay is in full heel mode, and I am loving every second of it. It makes me believe that Osprey can definitely get the win over Ibushi because he believes that he can. And that's a real good lesson to learn if you're just starting out in professional wrestling or have been in professional wrestling for a good while. When you believe in something so dear that it just overtakes your whole character and your presence and you're switching up your style and the attention to details, it really helps the fans believe in you more and are along for the ride because if you believe it, they believe it. There is no sense of doubt that can come into their minds thinking that you're going to lose. So for this match on March 29th, Will Ospreay went over Hama with the Stormbreaker. And you can see Abushi in the middle of the ring, sort of like he let the team down. He let Osprey get the victory for his team when probably that shouldn't happen. On the March 30th match card, Ibushi got the win over Jeff Cobb and had Will Osprey watch in the Tree of Woe. And that had so much storytelling in it. It had so much emotion in it. And it was a really good segment. I honestly did not see the finish coming that way, meaning that Abushi got the pin over Jeff Cobb and that they had Osprey look on that he could not help his teammate. But everything just felt right. Will Ospreay has been getting victories after victories after victories leading up to him getting the challenge to face Kota Ibushi for his new championship title. And then all of a sudden, with all that momentum, Ibushi getting the last word on the last row two before April 4th. That says a lot. The way it was done, it was clever. And I really can't wait to see these two fight on April 4th and see if Ibushi may retain the title or they may give it to Osprey. If they give it to Osprey, that means that mountains are moving, things are changing, and reality is going to be a whole lot different. And it's going to be an interesting title reign for Will Osprey. And I'm here for the ride. So let's jump into the discussion of the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. The new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title was revealed on the March 30th show. It is a very pretty belt. It shines bright in the light, just like Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi is known as the golden star in the land of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He calls himself a god of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that belt was definitely made for gods and kings of professional wrestling. 
Everyone on Twitter is going crazy with the new memes of the belt and saying that it is a version of the Divas title, the Golden Diva era, and Decepticons and Legend of Zelda and pop references. They really took into account of how to make the IWGP belt different from other belts and try to make it modern. It is not a bad design. It is just a design that incorporates a lot of different history elements, a powerful statement, because it is supposed to be a world heavyweight championship title. And it is. It's just that it's going to take some time to grow on us and for all of us to accept it. It is not the worst design. So calm down, Internet world. I will say that I am more of the wrestler that makes the title belt rather than the design of the title belt. The title belt should be unique and it should definitely have a statement and you can definitely be worthy enough to have debates on why this is the best belt and why this wrestler made it the best belt. Kota Ibushi can put on phenomenal matches. He is a phenomenal wrestler. And him holding the belt is going to be a testament to why they created it that way. Now, if you guys saw the scale of the belt, it is definitely made for Ibushi. And I have said this on Twitter. If you guys are not following me on Twitter, make sure to follow me at Marie underscore shadows. So we could definitely talk about professional wrestling. But I have mentioned on Twitter that the belt design and the scale of the belt fits Abushi's physique. And it's more for that Abushi style than it is for wrestling as an overall. And it's not a bad thing. Because depending on who takes that belt off of Ibushi next will definitely make that belt's history in their own image. And then it'll have a different outlook on it. I just think that we need to give the belt a chance and not jump to, oh my God, this is the worst belt in history. It's a really pretty belt. It's a pretty belt for Kota Ibushi, the golden star, who is the pretty boy of New Japan Pro Wrestling. One of the pretty boys, because I know someone is going to jump on me for not mentioning any other pretty boy out there. But just the fact that our champion, our delusional god of New Japan Pro Wrestling is wearing this belt to represent the company. It's not a bad thing. He is definitely going to try to take it all over the world and definitely try to challenge the best of the best. And I can't wait to see what happens come April 4th when it is Kota Ibushi, our self-proclaimed god of New Japan Pro Wrestling, taking on the god slayer Will Ospreay at Rio Goku. And speaking of tweet comments, let me introduce you guys to Mr. Warren Hayes. If you guys are not following him, follow him at Mr. Warren Hayes. He is the co-owner of Bell2Bells.com and also he does live podcast recordings on YouTube.com forward slash Mr. Warren Hayes. So like I said, on my own Twitter account at Marie underscore shadows, I put out a question that I had asked the wrestling community, what new Japan pro wrestling topic should I talk about on the Square Circle podcast? Meaning this podcast that you're listening to right now. Weigh in wrestling community. I'm gathering notes. Thanks. And this is also questions regarding 
New Japan Sakura Genesis. So, Mr. Warren Hayes, you have the privilege of being on my podcast because of your tweet. He responded with the new belt design and how the only way to save it is to put it on Owado immediately. Now, I was not expecting this comment at all. I still cheesily smile at it and chuckle at it. It is the most random thing to get from him. And should we put it on Master Waddle immediately to save it? I mean, it will elevate Mr. Waddle's career and it will do something for him. But is he really going to be the king of New Japan Pro Wrestling to have it on him? You know, maybe in the back, if I was filming and like we were doing pranks and we're able to go into Ibushi's dressing room and take the belt and have some pictures, that'd be fun. I mean, I, I'll be the only one I think to do that. No one else probably would. But um, Master Wada would have to definitely take the belt and put it on his shoulder and we'll see how it goes. And maybe he can save it. Imagine if we got a Mr. Waddle versus Kota Ibushi match just because. Just because. But, yep, that's a tweet from Mr. Warren Hayes. We also have another person that replied to my tweets. His Twitter handle is at Outlaw Jamboree. He asked me, what title should be the number two title? The never open weight US or junior? My first instinct to answer that question is the never open weight championship title should be the second one because that gives room for a lot of possibility to be creative with storylines, creative with other wrestlers that you won't normally interact with. That's what the never open weight championship like means to me in terms of creating more story, more conflict and more drama within New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can definitely next have the United States championship title as well. Obviously, Anyone can hold that one, but right now it's being held hostage by John Moxley, so I don't know when we're going to see it. And then the junior, see, we have the junior heavyweight and then the junior heavyweight tag team championships. If we're talking about the regular heavyweight, that should obviously be the second one, but I consider the junior division something special and unique. And the Junior Heavyweight Championship title should be its own thing when we talk about this in regards to your question. And I think that the Heavyweight Tag Team Championships should also be its own separate thing. So in terms of ranking the next number two belt should definitely be the never open weight championship belt. And that's only because, like I said, it creates more creative opportunity for guys to interact that have never interacted together. So imagine that a junior heavyweight comes into the never open weight championship title scene and goes against another heavyweight Maybe this junior heavyweight wrestler never got the chance to challenge for the other titles in that division. So he was probably like, fuck it. I'm going to go challenge a heavyweight and I'm going to go do this and become never open weight championship champion. 
thus creating more story opportunity because, you know, other people could get involved and it creates like a masterpiece. And this proves and tests the limits of how far you can go in storytelling without limiting yourself because of the division that you're currently in. So I think that now it's the time for the never open weight championship title to step up and just create stories because I'm all about wanting to watch a story unfold. Why are you going after this championship? Why do you really want it? Do you really need it? Do you really think that you can elevate that and the company? Hell, can you even beat your opponent? You know, like there's a lot of story elements that could go into it that could make really good feuds and really good story time. That's all I want in professional wrestling is great storytelling. You can wow me in your match with all the moves in the world, but I want to make sure that I am along for the ride because you believe that you want to become the best of the best. And then you got to find ways to overcome your own obstacles, even your own inner conflicts. This is why I have a writing degree so I can explore with wrestlers who want to help their characters or just help story in general and one day write my wrestling novel that I can do deep dives into self-reflection and inner conflicts and outer conflicts like there's a lot that goes into it and sometimes being a wrestler it feels like they only look on the surface level but there's more to it when you go beneath the surface level there are many ways to tell a story there are many ways to get your character over it could be inner conflicts outer conflicts environmental conflicts definitely mix and match Anything that you want to make sure that your character gets over, make sure your motivations get over and make sure you as the performer and character gets over. And this is why I so believe that the never overweight championship title should be that title and should be that next one up. I have another comment from Jesse. He says how upset Tanahashi looked after the showing of the belt. Okada not being happy way things are going in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, yeah, if you guys are not already subscribed to New Japan World, head over to njpwworld.com and get a subscription. So that way, when I do this podcast and other podcast episodes talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, you guys know what I'm talking about and you've seen it firsthand. Okada and Tanahashi are not happy with the fact that things are changing. And I get it. I didn't like it either. I called Kota Ibushi the devil of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Kota Ibushi calls himself the god, but he's making devil decisions in the land of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm on their side. I'd rather have history be maintained and have a sense of accomplishment there. But what can we do? No one is really going to challenge Ibushi. Obviously, Sugabayashi did not challenge Ibushi either to be like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And not even the cleaner himself, Kenny Omega, challenged Kota Ibushi as to why Kota Ibushi wants to unify the belts, why Kota Ibushi wants to erase Kenny Omega's legacy from that IWGP Intercontinental Championship and that IWGP Heavyweight Championship title. 
There was no issue about it. Not even a Twitter back and forth feud. Nothing about it. Don't you guys find that odd and weird that Kenny Omega, that, you know, he loves Kota Ibushi so much that he wouldn't even start something on Twitter? He might have texted him in the back behind the scenes, but let's just keep it kayfabe. Do you guys remember that time when it was both Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega having a back and forth on Twitter and Kenny Omega was saying, you must be lonely in that kingdom of yours and all of that. Why are we not getting any more of that story? It would have been interesting if Kenny would have tried to stop Kota Ibushi because technically Kenny Omega's legacy is with those two belts as well, as well as Tanahashi, as well as Okada, as well as Naito, as well as Jay White. And the argument was that we should have preserved the legacies between those belts rather than creating one new one. And now we start from scratch. No one has a record anymore. The only record we have is our delusional god, Kota Ibushi. And I just find it weird that there was nothing to be discussed. There was no extra story elements, no extra creative layers to this while we're getting closer to the date of the unveiling of that belt. So I still stand by Okada, Tanahashi, even Jay about unifying the belt. But then again, progress, it's a very dangerous thing when it comes to not knowing the unknown. And obviously, we do not know the unknown. All we could do is move forward and go towards the future and make sure that professional wrestling is still one of the greatest on this earth. And I still keep my super passion for it no matter what. But we all know that Kenny Omega is coming for that belt. And now on to the last tweet by Simon with the Twitter handle, join Doki Order. I get this question. Did Doki murder Optimus Prime with his pipe so the IWGP committee could use his metal skull to make the new belt? What? Seriously? I replied with, I don't know. Can Doki murder Optimus Prime? Is that how he got his mask? These are questions that I want to know the answer to. As far as me giving you an answer... Simon, maybe that's how it happened. Apparently, Doki can do amazing things. He can do magical things. And he went to Cybertron so that way he can defeat Optimus Prime. And obviously, Megatron enjoyed that. And therefore, now we have a Autobots IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title that Kota Ibushi holds. Makes perfect sense, Simon. Makes perfect sense. I do not have the video footage of Doki doing this, so you guys are just going to have to take my word for it. Doki going over to Cybertron, passing Megatron, defeating Optimus Prime. Thus, we have the new IWGP belt. And with that, I am going to wrap up this podcast episode talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, the new design of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title belt. And thank you to my awesome repliers via Twitter. Thank you guys for actually replying and giving me some more content. I didn't know how much I was going to talk about in this podcast episode, but thank you for that. It was fun to just talk about those questions, answer those statements and everything like that. 
If you guys have enjoyed this episode, please make sure to show me some love. You can do that by heading over to anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle Podcast. Anchor is the official home and the distributor of the Square Circle Podcast. So what that means is that you guys can definitely leave me a voice message, which is like a comment, but you're speaking the comment to me and I would definitely listen to it and play it on the podcast episode to discuss your comment, your opinion, anything that you give me in that voice message. The other cool thing about Anchor is that you can leave me a tip if I've done a very good service. The other thing too is that I would normally promote my YouTube channel. But for those of you that don't know and you're listening to this podcast episode, I have my first copyright strike on my YouTube channel. So I am not willing to put this up on the YouTube channel to further any type of complaints or other copyright strikes. The short story is that New Japan Pro Wrestling took down my Will Ospreay video. They probably thought that there was actual footage in that video, but there was no footage at all. It was just a bunch of still images to get my point across for that podcast episode. But it's all good. I emailed New Japan World to see if they can try to contact the sponsor on my behalf or their behalf to try to get this resolved. Haven't heard anything back yet, but my copyright strike is going to expire on June 22nd. So rather than trying to upload more videos of New Japan Pro Wrestling and other wrestling topics, I'm just going to continue to do audio podcasts and then probably do video podcasting for the website that I have. I'm basically suspending my own YouTube channel, which is all good. You know, finally, New Japan Pro Wrestling sees me and they took down my video. There's no hard feelings. I'm not upset about it. I totally understand business is business. And I know that New Japan Pro Wrestling has a lot more stricter rules and regulations when it comes to copyright stuff. But again, I did not use any type of video footage, just images and gave them all the credit. I don't credit any of those images at all. I'm not even over there to take my own images to put in when I make the video side of these podcast episodes. I still do love talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, so it's all good. We'll just wait it out. In the meantime, I do have a website up and running. Now, here is some background information. You can visit the website at www.ravagelands.com. That is R-A-V-A-G-E-L-A-N-D-S.com. The reason why it's called Ravage Lands is because before the Square Circle podcast was a thing, I am also the marketer, the behind the scenes person, the video editor and everything creative of Ravage Lands. It is my boyfriend's passion project to provide gaming videos and streaming videos. And we also have JD Alpha on there as well. We have his matches and we have video games involving him as well. We have documentary series about us going to Comic-Con, us going to play NYC. We're gamers at heart and we did it all as a family trio. And we just decided to keep the name Ravage Lands Production because we want to do skits and movies and shows and everything else with our friends and family. So Ravage Lands was first and then I decided to branch off and do the Square Circle podcast. And so the Square Circle podcast by 
Marie Shadows is under that umbrella of Ravage Lands. So when you guys head over to www.ravagelands.com, you'll see a series of Marie Shadows, Ravage Dragon, and JD Alpha. And that is how Ravage Lands got born and then Square Circle Podcast got born. And on that website, you guys would definitely see the video podcast episodes of the Square Circle Podcast on there. So if I do decide to make this podcast episode into a video, you guys will see it on there. So whatever videos I do in the future will most likely be on RavageLands.com until that copyright strike gets removed. And then I also got hit with another copyright claim because of music that was detected and that music is royalty free. So I'm going to have to battle that. So this is why I'm saying for you guys to head over to www.ravagelands.com, make yourself an account, become a member with us, and you guys can get access to exclusive stuff by myself with the Square Circle Podcast and also exclusive stuff with Ravage Lands, meaning the gaming and us going live directly on the website. So just help us out. There is no fee as of yet. I'm only saying this now so that you guys can be aware and be prepared for when that day comes. But right now it is free to sign up to be a member and it's also free to join the mailing list, which also reminds me, I am going to be deleting my Substack newsletter. I realize that Substack is not where it is. Newsletter is not where it is. I want to completely bet on myself. I want to bet on the Square Circle podcast. I want to bet on RavageLands.com to make it a success and also some financial freedom. But right now we're taking baby steps. I like how the website is coming along. And just remember that there is only one person doing all the work. And that is me. I am the brains behind the operation for both the Square Circle podcast and also Ravage Lands and also the website. So it is all on me. So it's going to take time. We're all doing baby steps. And I hope that you guys can definitely join us on this ride by simply signing up at RavageLands.com for both being a member and also the mailing list. So I know that's a lot to take in currently, but I had to say it on the podcast and I think this was the best time to do it. Sorry if this runs over a longer time than what I had intended, but I just wanted you guys to be in the know. So just very quickly for a recap, follow me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. Listen to this podcast episode on anchor.fm forward slash squared circle podcast. And to get everything in one place, meaning wrestling, writing, gaming, head over to www.ravagelands.com. Sign up, be a member, also join the mailing list. And I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode and making it all the way through the end. You have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.